0: I feel uh, just as safe when I'm in New York. I feel just as safe uh, here in downtown Hebron. And uh, when you live in a place like Hebron, you live with constant feeling of divine uh, providence because you know that Hashem is with you, that God is with you at all times. And if He's with you, then what is there to fear about?
1: Okay, welcome everybody. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Hannah Weisberg, host of this podcast. I'm joined today by a very special woman all the way from Chevron in Israel, and her name is Batsheva Cohen. Batsheva Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. My I know pleasure. it I know it was really hard with your busy schedule to get here and with just everything happening right now. So we really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, your day is filled to the brim. Um, Can you tell us a little about the situation? What's going on in Hebron now after the war? Or during the war, Um, I
0: should say. Right, so um, hello everyone. So first of all, we're still in, in during the war, like you said before, and there's no no one knows actually when it's going to happen. Um, just when, when yes. what's going to
1: happen? What do you mean? When what's- when
0: when the war will actually end? Oh, okay. uh, no one has. No one can predict. Uh, today I uh, spoke to my son in the army, high officer, and I told him that I just booked a ticket to come to the Chabad Shluchos uh, convention in New York in about a month and a half. And I was debating whether I should book my uh, ticket or not because I don't know if my husband and the kids are still going to be fighting during uh, that time or the war is going to end. And uh-huh. my son said that it doesn't look like that. So thank God by us here in Hebron, uh, it's uh, pretty quiet. Um, I know that in other areas, it's um, there are... A different attempts of uh, Arabs trying to riot or trying to do certain things. But by us, a, it is nice and quiet and oh, soldiers good. are uh, constantly doing guard duty all over the city. So um, our place is protected, thank God. Um, but our hearts are with the soldiers fighting in Gaza and also up north. And it's it's hard to live quietly and peacefully when you know that your brothers are in a battlefield.
1: Absolutely, um, and especially, I mean, on a personal level for you, you have children and a husband who are in the army. Right. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a little about
0: that? Okay, so um, my husband and my third son are doing reserve duty here in Hebron. So I get to see them in between the shifts. And my oldest son is there. I just want to
1: say, you you just mentioned that he's leaving at four in the morning to do his duty. So so it's now the evening for you. You've had a long, long day. And I don't know when you're going to see him next because he's leaving soon. I mean, he's
0: He's
1: going to get up soon to do his duty when you go to sleep, I guess.
0: (laughs) And my oldest son um, has a different job in the Army and he's in and out of Gaza. And I always tell him that he should tell me after he came back from Gaza. I don't want to know before he goes in. So I, I want to be able to actually sleep. Um, but um, we, we give full support, and uh, my kids, my other kids that are in yeshivas, they are soldiers just as well, but they're, you know, they're... Uh, doing their part of uh, their fight for the Jewish nation. And my sons in the army and my husband are doing their share uh, in the fighting for the nation of Israel. So, so how, are, we you, have a how com- are you?
1: How are your children doing their fight? How are your uh, children that are not in the army doing their fight? Spiritually, um,
0: you mean? Um, not only spiritually, but um, because my kids are, are up north so every week on a friday when there's no uh a gemara classes or anything like that they go out to the different army bases i know that every thursday night one of my sons stands and just cooks and they make hundreds and hundreds of sandwiches and they then they go out the next day and together as they put uh, to fill in phylacteries to uh, the soldiers in the army bases they they give out sandwiches, fresh food, anything they can. Uh, whenever they have off yeshiva, they go and they uh, uh, do barbecues. Anything needed to the soldiers in their areas, they do. So they try to, on one hand, sit and learn for the sake of the uh, Jewish people. And whenever they have off, they go to the army bases, either with tefillin, tzitzit, whatever yeah, they're there for it, for it. Wow,
1: wow, that that seems to be a common theme that we keep hearing. That everyone's involved in this in this war. Everyone in their own part. Everyone doing their own part. And you know, here in Chutzla Arts, we're feeling a little like we have so little to contribute, but we can do a little bit our own part in adding in mitzvot or adding in charity and supporting in, in whatever way we can. Is, is that how you, what you're seeing, the mood there in Israel?
0: Yeah, but I do think that um, every Jew in every place where he is can contribute uh, to, the, to the soldiers and to the atmosphere here in Israel. Um, we get packages from people in America. I remember maybe before Hanukkah, I got a package from uh, some Chabad house in America with little bracelets that the children in the Chabad house uh, delivered with beautiful letters to the soldiers. And when I gave out the Shabbos candles, I gave each soldier a package. Yesterday, I got a package from, um, I think it was um, University of of Queens with little uh, um, candies from America. And, And when the soldiers get it, they, it just gives them such a warm feeling that you see here. Even Jews from America care about them. Mm-hmm. Not only uh, people that live here, but Jews all over the world are praying and are just—they uh, uh, want their their best and they want them to come home safely. So everyone doesn't matter if you're in yeshiva, it doesn't matter uh, where you are in America or in Israel. You can contribute. To uh, to the success and to the unity of uh, all the Jews all over.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. That's that's important to say because it's important to know how we can, even little little gestures can be appreciated and are appreciated. So that, right. that's important. Um, tell us a little about you know your your your. Mission in Hebron. What is it that you're doing now on a day-to-day basis? What was your shlichus like before the war began, and now how has it changed now that there is the the war is in effect?
0: Okay, so um, before we were able to just go into the army bases to give classes, to go every week to deliver Shabbos candles. Uh, so you have the, there's a lot
1: of army army bases around you in Hebron?
0: Yeah, in any random time. There are about 2,500 soldiers around us. I wow. obviously work more with the female soldiers, but uh, my husband and my kids uh, work with the men soldiers. And um, now there are even more soldiers than uh, usual because of the war. And, um, more I soldiers that- there,
1: there in Hebron. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah and at the beginning they asked us to do lots of challah baking so i went to the army bases and we did lots of challah baking and during hanukkah all the soldiers wanted to celebrate hanukkah so they they, i had so many parties in my house latke evenings anything just to make them happy and uh, and feel fulfilled although they're far away from home and a lot of them haven't seen their houses in such a long time, but they, they see that uh, people appreciate their work so much that they, uh, they're willing to do it happily. So now during the war, even more, you need, after something happens in Gaza, you need to come and you need to give support. Uh, they call you more. They send you more messages. I just uh, made a uh, um, uh, Havrusa. I just made a um, like I joined partnership with one of the female soldiers. I told her I will teach her Tanya, the, Hasidish, oh, wow. the Hasidic the uh, book, and she will teach me in exchange Spanish. So, oh, <laughs> so <wow. laughs> yeah, so they really they really wanted to learn more. They when I give them sometimes they we get a little Tanyas or little te- Tehillin books. And we give it to them and they ask for it. I remember that one time was a Friday afternoon and I'm giving out Shabbos candles and the female soldiers are telling me, wait a second, what time is it now? Are you sure it's not Shabbos yet? Can I still light candles? And I'm giving candles for over 20 years and no one ever asked me, but they're like, you know, they're looking at the time and they're saying, wait, we have to see. And everyone's asking for a for the, Hanukkah and Hanukkah to light it. And everyone's just looking, okay, what mitzvahs can I do? Okay, uh, there's a soldier that I know. Let's uh, say his name. When we did challah baking, we even did, uh, um, you know, the, the blessing on the challah when we did uh, uh, fried, b- uh, baked, it's called fricassee. It's this uh, uh, Tunisian dish. Uh, and we did that and everyone, uh, stopped and everyone prayed for uh, three soldiers that she knows that they need some kind of a blessing so in every way possible everyone's just like okay what else can I do uh, how can I dive in how do I say give me one good deed that I can take upon myself one mitzvah in, in for, for the sake of a soldier that I know in the battlefield so you feel it much much more now than uh, before
1: so it sounds like there's a real awakening of the Jewish soul, really a, a quenching, a, a thirst for for mitzvot. Right. What do you attribute? What do you attribute that to?
0: What do I attribute? First of all, um, in one second, you know, if there's one good thing that uh, if I could say uh, for Hamas is that it united everyone together. It doesn't matter what background you came from. It doesn't matter what you believe and what you don't believe. You know, they they were, in one second, they got us all together. And um, it just, I think it woke up the Jewish neshama that everyone is yawning to to do more. Okay, it's not only about me. Now it's also about my brother. It's about my sister. What can I do? I'm going to be a better daughter. I'm going to be a better uh, friend. I'm going to be a better soldier. Uh, and and I think that, um, you know, we always say that we're like olives, that when you eat one olive, it has a bitter taste, but when you crush them together, it, you get the pure olive oil. So I think it, it, that's what it did to us, this war.
1: Wow. Wow. That's very special. How, how long have you been in Hebron?
0: um 20 over 21 years
1: wow and what's it like to be a shlucha in Hebron i mean it's it's you're used to the fear i guess you're used to dealing with fear of having enemies around you how do you deal with that
0: well first of all we don't feel the fear <laughs> okay. i feel just as safe when i'm in new york i feel just as safe here in downtown hebron And when you live in a place like heaven, you live with constant feeling of divine providence because you know that Hashem is with you, that God is with you at all times. and And if he's with you, then what is there to fear about? And I know that fear is a feeling, so I can't tell other people, but I do know that um, a lot of soldiers that have never been ever before in Hebron, when they come here to do their army service, it changes your perspective. It changes the look. When when you see different kind of, of reality, it changes. And, and, and if you would walk here on a random day and you see three-year-old kids walking around the streets of Hebron without their older sister or their parents, you will see that, the people that live in heaven don't have that fear that you're talking about. It's something else. It's something that we know it's ours. Hashem gave it to us. So what is there to be afraid of? So
1: incredible. That's the wow. And how do you apply that to this war? I mean, you have a son, you have a husband who are on active duty. How does, how do you feel when they, how, how do you stop the worry? How do you stop the tension?
0: First of all, I think that you do, you dive in even more. And you're, when you're busy in action, when you're busy at doing good things to other people, you're saying, Hashem, I'm doing my part. You have your part. I know I'm doing the best and I'm sure you're going to do the best on your part of the story. So this is how we deal with just being in constant, uh, act of kindness, of mitzvahs to any person that needs it. That's my way of dealing with it.
1: Wow, wow. Um, ha, do you know any refugees that are in people, families of refugees that are in Gaza?
0: Yeah. Are they- um, unfortunately, uh, two boys from Kiraaba, which is the uh, closest place to us, three minutes by car, a few minutes walk, Um, So, two of their sons are uh, kidnapped. Um, They were in that party as part of the security uh, team, and they refused to uh, run away until they uh, would save as many people as they could. And unfortunately, they were caught by Hamas. And and the amazing thing is that the way those uh, families talk and behave is something something out of this world. They're like saying, you know, today I heard one of the um, mothers of uh, the three kidnaps that were shot, and she, she recorded a voice message, and she sent it to the unit of the soldiers that unfortunately, by mistake, shot a, her son and another two kidnapped people. And she, she opens her voice message, and she says to them, My name is Iris Chaim, and I would first of all, I want to tell you soldiers from this unit that I love you dearly. I know I am not blaming you for anything that happened. I know you're doing the best, and I know that you're doing everything possible to protect all the Jews in the land of Israel. So I don't have anything against any of you, because I know you're doing the best. And also the parents of those two kidnapped people that live right here are talking in the same way. They're amazing. They're saying, we know that our kids in Gaza and we know that they're suffering, but the Jewish people, the Jewish nation comes first. And you do anything possible to save the Jewish nation. And if that means that our kids will have to be sacrificed although we love our kids the most, you have to do what you have to do. And um, every, I just sent, in in the middle of Hanukkah, I sent a message to one of the mothers of the kidnapped people who I learned with her years ago and we're friends. And I told her that she should just know that in every possible time, either on Yud for breaking or on Hanukkah parties with the soldiers, or every week when I do challah baking for the soldiers, every time we dive in, we pray for their uh, kids' names, and we pray that they will come back safely. And uh, she, every message like this, I think gives them energy to continue.
1: Wow, uh, that's, that's, that sounds like superhuman strength, that they yeah. have that courage. Um, well, please convey to them that we are all praying for them here in America. Every class that I do, we say Psalms for them and we pray. Um, and and people all over the world are praying for the hostages. We feel like it's it's ours. But for a, a mother or a parent or a family member to be having that strength is quite incredulous, totally incredulous. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Are you in touch with anybody who is, who has been wounded, or has been killed as well?
0: Like officers. Well, yesterday I am teaching in school and yesterday the prin- my principal's uh, son-in-law got killed in Gaza. Ish. And um, the terrible thing is that, you know, this war, I think there's not one person, it could even be Jews living in America that they know this guy that was injured and this guy that was killed and this guy that drafted. It touches everyone. It doesn't matter from where you came, but everyone knows so many people. We obviously know a lot of the people and a lot of the families. And every morning when I open the news, I'm, I'm saying, please Hashem, I want to hear good news. today. Start the day with good news, and um, unfortunately, it has uh, big prices. This war. Wow. what what is
1: the mood like in the amongst the people in Israel? I mean, every day we're opening the news to such tragic news. How does that affect people?
0: Well, it's interesting. First of all, it depends on what channel you open the uh, news to hear. Some, uh, some channels are very optimistic and very positive. And there's, they're talking about our right to fight, our right to defend uh, the Jewish land and the Jewish people. And unfortunately, other voices say different uh, kind of opinions. So we try to hear the more positive sides. And it, what's interesting is that... Um, there, the soldiers that are, for example, serving here in Hebron, I know that a lot of them are trying to get into Gaza to fight in Gaza, because it's not there's really? not enough there's not enough action in Hebron that they want to go into inside Gaza. And the soldiers that are there are constant with the feeling that we're doing it for the people of Israel, and everyone is willing. People with kids, people with that are supposed to get married. Um, my son's friend. Is in the paratroops, and he's the head of a platoon and a high officer in the, uh, of the paratroops, and they are inside Gaza from Simchastora. From wow. Simchastora they were drafted, and they haven't gone home since then. It's I don't know how many days is it? Two over two and a half months that sure. they have been drafted, and. The, the spirit is not going away. People still want to go. People will still want to fight. And I just hope that this atmosphere will stay forever. Well,
1: And you think it's because we're fighting for our survival? Like, what, what is it that's 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 causing that atmosphere, that mood, that resilience, that strength, that courage? What is it?
0: Um, first of all, we you know, I I always say that, um, I remember that a few years ago, um, someone came to us, I think it was the JLI uh, trip, that people came to us. And one of the ladies came to me, and with tears in her eyes, she's coming to me, she says to me, I'm crying, I don't know why I'm crying. But I, I, this place makes me cry. So I look at her, and I'm and i'm saying to her i just want to thank you for crying and she's looking at me and she's shocked and i i say to her yeah because when you cry you remind me what an amazing holy place i have the merit to live in and your cry is reminding me that and i think this war that pushed everyone together eh just touched everyone and you can't you can't ignore the the you know, people from America, people from Europe, it touched everyone. It touched for the good, and it touched, unfortunately, also for the bad, and you see anti semitic But you can't ignore what happened. It touched everyone. And because it hurt so many, unfortunately, different people, religious, not religious, that then we're, we're fighting for everyone. It's not only about my group or my synagogue or my community. It's about everyone. They try, they try to take over and finish with the Jewish nation. And hello, where, you know, I just taught the female soldiers on Hanukkah that it's a beautiful story, actually. I started one of the parties, uh, with a story that Sivan Rahav Meir, um, a TV, uh, um, uh, journalist? Person, journalist yeah she went to one of the schools that they opened for the refugees in Jerusalem and she asked the, the kids there She she asked the, and it's interesting because they were looking for facilities to open a new school and because there are no groups that are coming from overseas uh, during this time so there is an uh, an open a uh, school there's a, a school that's Totally empty in Yad Vashem because there are no groups that are coming to learn. So they took off the pictures of the, those empty classes and they established a school there. So she's coming and wow. she's asking the kids, um, Would you please tell me what gives you strength at these days? And she says that I hear, Oh, what gives me strength is my family. What gives me strength is the strong idea what gives me strength is the unity that I feel now of of the people and a 14 year old kid stands up and he says what gives me strength and I know it's it's hard to hear is the garbage of the history and she's like what and he says yes you know Haman was part of the history but he's in the garbage of history and and Hitler uh, tried to take over the world, and he's also part of the uh, uh, trash of the history. And the only people that have survived for thousands of years are the only Jewish, is is the Jewish nation. And I know that we're gonna stay there forever. And that's what gives me strength to go through these days. So um, we should feel like this 14 year old kid
1: that's beautiful wow but you have this aura about you of peace and optimism and faith Uh, i'm wondering what teachings of the rebbe or other teachings of the torah inspired you in this way to have this kind of serenity about you even though you're in chevron in one of the most dangerous cities in the world um, where it, you know, and you've been there for so many years. You have a husband and a, and a son who are active members of the army right now. And yet there's this serenity and this peace and faith around you. So I'm just wondering if you could share your secret with us. <laughs> what is it?
0: First of all, it's not it's not about me. I think that if you open the uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe teachings, one of the things that touched the Rebbe the most is the Jewish, uh, the Jewish land, is the land of Israel. And whenever he spoke about it, he either cried about it or he spoke about it with such strong passion. And I remember that one of the things when I got into Chabad is the the fact that, yes, I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm, I'm going to put... The, the big giant menorah, wherever I think that it's the the center of the city. And if I'm so proud, then why do I have to be, this is my country. This is my nation. Do I have to, you know, Hashem gave it to us. The same way we always say that on every dollar bill it says, in God we trust. You open the window, you see the cave of the patriarch you see Jewish people, you see people with Jewish pride, then, you know, if it was important for the Rebbe, if it was so important for so many generations, then um, we're just continuing the the chain. It's not not about me, it's about uh, the Jewish chain. You
1: you say when you got to be Chabad, can you tell us a little about your background and how you chose Hebron
0: as a place to, to settle in? Okay, so I grew up in the Golan Heights, that's up north. And um, after we got married, we went to the Rebbe's zion in uh, Queens, New York. And there we knew that we will do this change, and we got to, into Chabad. And when we got into Chabad, we, we never looked for easy life. We always wanted to, to do something meaningful in our life and uh, the way that you could actually do something very meaningful is if you join a Chabad house or if you establish a Chabad house. And since my husband was 15 years old, he roamed the streets of Chevron. So um, after one year in America, we decided that we were homesick and we want to go back. So we moved from downtown Chicago to downtown Chevron little bit of a different atmosphere and I remember everyone's eyebrows is like what everyone what are you doing there crazy place crazy people dangerous place and uh, today it's a uh, it's part it's part of me I feel that uh, um, it's it's a merit that we got a place and we were able to establish the Chabad house and I thank the Rebbe for being able to to be the wow. Chabad Shulcha here in downtown heaven.
1: So you didn't grow up Chabad? What what attracted you to Chabad? Did you grow up observant or not observant?
0: We grew up what's called Dati Umi. That's like knitted yarmulkes. And um, like I said, I, as a religious girl, I did not do an army service, but instead I did what's called national service. And I always felt I didn't give enough and uh, since then we're we're doing national service for the Jewish people in the Chabad sure. house.
1: We sure yeah. are, wow. Um, yeah. Tell us a little about, I know you're famous for your Shabbos and for hosting people for Shabbat. <laughs> Can you tell us a little about that, what that's like?
0: Um, you're talking when my husband comes back from guard duty this past Shabbos and he says to me, I think a few soldiers are coming and more than triple of what he said are coming, and I haven't, and I didn't know, or when you're saying that all of a sudden we get a phone call from the commander, Matzei Shabbos, you know, Saturday night, saying, "Mm, I'm here with 30 soldiers, and they forgot that we need to eat Saturday night. Is there Mm -hmm. any possible way that you can help us? Or when we get a phone call, my son is a lone soldier in the army base, like 20 minutes away and he has no food that he could eat either he's vegan or he eats certain uh, kosher food or whatever it is can you please help him or when we uh, get a request of um so it's always like that and wow. so, when so how say- do you how do you
1: handle that how do you handle the last minute prep um you
0: always have
1: something on hand
0: i yeah i usually do and um you never you know the term when you say i cook for an army so i literally cook for an army wow and uh, wow. not knowing how many will come and um <clears throat> right now we don't know because soldiers is the unknown thing and you could uh, they could tell you that we're coming 10 soldiers and then 30 will show up or the other way around um and uh we we don't know necessarily who's gonna come. It could be soldiers, it could be civilians, it could be um, other people. And um, I just I have lots of containers of cookies in the freezer in case you didn't eat main course. You could eat a lot during dessert. If you didn't eat enough during the first course, you could eat more in the main course. We we play with it.
1: Wow! We play with it. Wow! Yeah. Incredible. And I know before I mean before the war, you were famous for your Shabbat Parshat sara where you had thousands right. of people who who came. Can you tell us a little about that? I mean, that's a special Shabbat that people right. come to the
0: Right. So that that Shabbos, that weekend, um, there are around forty-five thousand people that come just for that weekend. A few years ago, the Guinness Record. Uh, turned to us and they asked if uh, we want to join them to do the biggest Shabbat meal uh, in the world wow. um, yeah and um, uh, the reason why people How
1: many are, were that?
0: well we they had too many conditions so we we wow. gave up uh, okay. but to, to run it's also a big operation because when you sure. want to say a Torah, a Devar Torah, like some kind of a Torah portion or whatever it is, and you're talking on Shabbos when you can't use the mic and you're trying to talk to 4,500 people, it's <laughs> a bit of a problem. <laughs> so we have all kinds of uh, uh, ways that we uh, we have managed to do it. Two years ago, actually on Parshas Chayesara, uh, we had our sons off of the the Shabbos before you get married. And, uh, we did a surprise for him and in the middle of that huge, huge, big tent with the thousands of people, everyone started singing uh, songs for my sons, who was a groom, who was Hassan and picked him up on the shoulders. And it was lovely that you, you're able to celebrate your son's wedding together with the entire Am Yisrael. So that wow. was really lovely. And, um, the the story how this uh, Shabbos started is because the Torah portion it talks about the purchase of the cave of the patriarchs and the matriarchs and uh, therefore a lot of people come for that Shabbos and I think it's the biggest uh, happening of the religious world uh, in one big Shabbos and it's beautiful to see people from abroad Israelis um students, grown-ups, families, everyone comes and just joins and the unity is beautiful. So we hope to somehow do it again.
1: Wow, that sounds beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. Uh,
0: um
1: I know you're very connected to the soldiers on your base, the soldiers that you're servicing. Many of them refer to you as mother or aunt. Um what how do you forge that kind of connection with them
0: how do i what
1: how do you create that connection with them
0: well first of all i I come there for many many years but um a lot of them it's interesting because uh, a lot of them come back as commanders and then as high officers and then they come again and again so um that already helps and and sometimes my sister-in-law, who teaches in one army base, uh, her soldiers come to my army base, so she already tells them that uh, they're going to meet her sister-in-law, or it happens the opposite. Uh, but I think in any way possible, if they need, uh, it's not only uh, a fresh challahs that they get an hour before candle lighting, but if someone is sick, I would make sure to give her Medicine. If someone needs something, uh, I would make sure to contact the family. And um, over the years, I remember one time it was a Monday Shabbos, and um, my husband didn't even have a chance to come back from shul, from the synagogue, uh, after the uh, davening, after the prayer, and the phone in the house is ringing, and I. Say Baruch Hamavdil, like to make sure that I could actually answer the phone that I uh, Shabbos is out by me, and I answer the phone and there there's, there's a mother that calls me and she says to me, I'm sorry to bother you, but my son ate by you today, and I couldn't wait to thank you till Shabbos went out, uh, so so I I counted the seconds till I could actually call you and tell you thank you. So over the years. Um, I've had so many girls, and um, and it's really like it's it's sad when they leave, but obviously uh, it's beautiful the connection. And it's interesting, you know, I could go into a gas station, and one of the workers is a soldier that served with me. I could go, one time I went with my son to a restaurant in Yoshalima, and one of the waitresses uh, was a soldier by us. And when I'm about to pay, I called the wages, a different waitress to serve, that served my table to pay. And she said to me, no, no, you don't. Someone paid for you.
1: Wow. So, um, yeah. You're, so, you're like um, a mother to so many of us, so many of the soldiers. It's incredible. I, I um, but, but Sheva, I know that it's, it's nighttime by you and you've had a day that was so full. So I, I do want to thank you for joining us. I want to just ask you if there's any last words, that parting words or message that you'd like to give to the people who are watching this about the current war, about what's going on right now.
0: Okay. So first of all, um, you should know that every prayer that you say, every davening that you say is something that doesn't ever get lost. So don't stop. Praying. don't stop doing challah baking and saying the blessing for the hostages, the blessing for the soldiers, uh, making sure that that they know that you're uh, praying for them, making sure that you're there. If you're able to send uh, packages to soldiers, if you're able to send anything that will give a smile to the soldiers or to people in Israel. I know that a lot of the families that have evacuated from uh, the next to Gaza um, have it very, very hard. So I know a lot of people come and they come on mission groups. Uh, If you could do that or just even get in touch with someone that could help either the Shlucha, the Chabad Shlucha of Stay Road, anything possible to just show them the unity that everyone cares and continuing to give tzedakah in the merit of the Jewish people in Israel, in the merit of the soldiers, in the merit of the hostages. I think that that will awaken up and will hopefully bring Mashiach fast and everyone will join and we'll only hear good news from now on.
1: Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you so much for for sharing with us your your inspiration and your courage. And thank you for everything that you're doing there for the soldiers and for all of all of Amisrael, all of the Jewish people. You're really an inspiration to so many of us. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today.
0: You're welcome. Good night everyone.
1: Night. <laughs> I just finished interviewing ba, ba Chava Cohen, and wow, the strength, the courage, the determination, the resilience, the faith that comes out, and the serenity that comes out from the interview was just really incredible. Uh, one of the things that, two of the things that stood out from her interview was about the mother that um, called the officers who, whose child, the mother whose child was killed because of friendly fire and how she called the officers and said i i love you and i love what you're doing the amazing strength that that takes that was really something that stands out where you can just come out of yourself and your own pain and just look at the big picture as a whole and see the good in another person despite what has happened to your child that's really incredible um and another thing that that stood out which was again the kind of the inverse of that, where you take small things and how something small can make such a huge difference. But Cheva was saying how the candies that we, we we send over to the officers make such an impact on them. They feel so much support and and encouragement from the small things, the 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 little gestures, the little small things and acts that we do, and of course the big things that we do as well. So those were things that just stood out and how we can really realize that when we do something small, the impact of it can actually be so big. When we don't think that it's something so big, the effect that it can have on another, on another person, perhaps even halfway across the world, is just tremendous. And that, of course, is a message that we can take in our daily lives as well. So if you enjoy watching these Podcasts. Please make sure that you are subscribed to Chabad.org forward slash extraordinary. You can subscribe there. You can also subscribe on all podcast platforms. Um, make sure you leave us a note, tell us what you like. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Thank you so much for joining. This is again, Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories.